I think really the key is to make sure that the minute they're walking through the door, they can imagine themselves living there and they really want to want that. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well, hello, everyone. It's Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates. Today, I have a special guest in Lauren Robinson. Now, Lauren is a multi-award winning property manager, and she's the founder and the director of a Brisbane-based boutique property management company called Rental Results. She's got nearly 20 years of experience in property management. Lauren, you don't look old enough to have 20 years of experience in anything. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) She's authored the book Rented, The Ultimate Investor Companion to Managing Your Property that walks both new and experienced investors through the five stages of property ownership. Now, Lauren, welcome. And I'm going to let you share what your mission in life is. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Benedict. I guess what really inspires me about She Renovates and yourself is that you really empower women to build wealth through property investing. And that's what's attracted me to listen to your podcast. And I just love it. So thank you for having me here today. I guess my mission is to inspire women to invest in themselves. So continually learning and also in property to grow their wealth and independence. I started investing when I was 21 and I was really lucky to have some amazing mentors. And I think, yeah, I'd love to see others do the same. Awesome. Yes, we're very aligned in that mission. Yes. And today we're going to delve deep into the world of rental, property rental, and to provide listeners with some intelligence on how they can get the best out of their property and also from their property manager. Mm-hmm. I've prepared some questions, but if you feel that I'm missing anything, please feel free to jump in. Okay. And I guess the first question, which is something that we hear occasionally, I think most people are on board with this, and it's not one I prepared earlier, but I thought I'd ask it anyhow. What value does a rental agent bring to an investment property? Why would someone not do it on their own? Mm. I feel like a lot of people don't understand that it's actually a full-time job. So it's 24-7, round the clock, you need to have people that can handle any issues that pop up, whether it's emergency maintenance or perhaps it's just really understanding that legislation. A lot of property investors, you may not realise that you can't advertise a property when it's not legal height downstairs. So so they think that they can advertise it as a four bedroom, but really it's actually two bedroom and downstairs is a utility room. And we often see things like that happen. And then down the track, the owners may find themselves at tribunal. So it's really, you know, the peace of mind of knowing that property manager really understands the legislation is acting in your best interest for you. Yes, so basically you're saving them from themselves. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a very important job. And the thing is that tenancy law is quite complex and it changes. So for the everyday person who already has a full-time job and a family to look after, it's a lot to ask. Oh, for sure. We're constantly attending training. And it's also really important to make sure you stay up to date with what's happening. You need to know what technologies are being utilized, how you can market your investment properties the best to get the the highest returns and attract the widest pool of tenants. So there's so much to it. 
Yeah. And the other thing I do want to ask you is for my own benefit. Yes. So what databases or information do you have access to that a normal landlord wouldn't? Like what information can you get access to? Because I think this is a deal breaker for landlords in terms of weighing up whether they, like for me, I just don't even think it's worth considering, but I know some think that they can do it just as easily themselves. Is there anything, do you have an edge in that respect? Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of things. So there's Equifax, which is, and then Ticker is another one. So it's basically checking if a tenant has been blacklisted and you'll often find, which is a risk for owners, if they're advertising on maybe Gumtree or Facebook for tenants, it's the bad tenants that tend to seek out those landlords because they know that they're probably not going to properly check their previous history. They're maybe not going to look on Ticker or Equifax to see if they've been bankrupt before or if they have a bad um, rental history. That's a real risk to a landlord. So part of your offering is that you have accounts with those organisations and have access to that confidential information for sure the other things are like advertising so realestate.com domain there's about 10 websites we advertise on which owners typically won't have access to themselves for all of those and then you've also got the databases like price finder or rp data where you can check if an owner or sorry if a tenant's owned a property before and really do that thorough in-depth research which is so important yeah so that's an interesting point. Can we just have a look at that? Yeah. Why would someone having owned, a tenant having owned a property before be relevant? I think it's really important to understand that history of the, the full history of a tenant. So if they've owned a property, if they've rented, just understanding exactly where they're coming from. If they've owned a property, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a better tenant than someone who's rented before, that's for sure. But I think it's also understanding if they've owned a property and they've sold it, perhaps you can then have a look online at the, how it was presented, maybe even speak to that sales agent if they're agreeable to you know find out how they've kept and lived. Okay. So it's a really great granular sort of investigation that you do yeah like a detective yeah yeah (laughs) and so if someone was choosing a property manager Mm -hmm. like I actually think it must be the worst job in the world to be honest (laughs) and I also think it's very poorly paid because when you look at what they're paid for what they do so anyone that's making able to make a profitable obviously needs to be a very efficient operator and has good systems would that would you agree with that oh for sure I mean of the 20 years that I've been in the industry I was really lucky I worked for one of the best agencies in Brisbane for eight years and we were all paid on commission structure so I worked for them for eight years and we were earning well above industry award majority of us were buying properties and multiple properties by the time we're 30 and I think that was one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about property management now it does doesn't have to be a base salary entry level role and we certainly don't pay like that in our office you know I think it's really important to have consistency with who you're dealing with the property the owner like the property investor understanding who they're dealing with how much experience they've got and you really want that property manager to be going above and beyond to try and get them the highest rental return best tenant selection making sure that investment's well maintained and I think someone on a base wage is not going to be going above and beyond for for your investor. No, I always feel, well, certainly with some of the ones that I've dealt with in the past, that it's, they're often very junior and they have, they're very overloaded work-wise, have Mm -hmm. large numbers of properties that they're managing. 
Yes, that's traditional offices, and I think really what we're seeing in the in that's coming through the industry is a lot of artificial intelligence. So repetitive tasks being taken off the property managers and being automated. We're seeing like a lot of assistance, a lot of technology utilized, so that the property managers doing higher level tasks and now nurturing those relationships. So they now have the time to pick up the phone and speak to the investor to really establish those relationships to be able to provide higher level advice. So. And that's what we're seeing from the good agents. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And so if you were looking for a property agent, should we be assessing like their bandwidth, their workload? What sort of things should be, we be looking for? Yeah, I have got a list of questions and I'm, I'm happy to share that questions with you so you can yeah. share that with your listeners. And I think really interviewing the property managers um, and making sure that you're asking all those questions initially, because it's important to understand how they're going to market the property. Do they have the resources in the office to be able to show my property immediately if someone's inquiring? How are they processing those applications to make sure we get a quality tenant who's not getting through? How are they managing that investment? So how often are the routine inspections carried out? So So really, you want them to be at the maximum they're allowed to for under the legislation. So in Queensland, it's every three months. So I think that's important to make sure they're happening all the time. Do they have a portal so you can log in at any time and see all of your information in real time? That's really important to know that the rent's paid in real time and you can see that. So transparency is a massive thing. Communication is important. How they actually conduct the inspections and are they going to miss things? That's really important to know and, and to get a feel for. Great. Thanks for that. We'd love that checklist. Yeah, of course. um, Yeah, that's really good information. I'd never thought about the being mobile enough or reactive enough to be able to go and show someone through straight away. That's a really good point. Yeah. Sometimes renovators feel quite anxious about handing over their baby. Oh, yes. (laughs) And for me particularly, like I prefer to put my renovated property, not that I've had to do it too often, but on Airbnb because I know that at least I can get in every few days to check that everything's okay. So what advice would you give to someone who was looking to hand over a property that they just finished renovating and was immaculate and they wanted to like make sure that it was looked after? So I guess when you're handing over that investment that you've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears behind in terms of the renovation, you really want to make sure that everything's really well documented. So your entry condition report is going to be the key. Really, it needs to be a thorough entry condition report. And that's another thing I'd suggest asking the property manager, can you see a copy of how they look? So you want everything documented and in detail on there, plus obviously photos of everything at the property. So typically for a house, you might have anywhere between 250 and 400 photos of everything really well documented. Wow. Yeah, those photos from both sides of the fence are really important. Definitely. I think for tenants as well, they need to... When we first moved to Sydney, we came from Adelaide, we rented a really beautiful house in quite a lovely old established suburb and it was quite a valuable house yeah yeah and had just had a brand new renovation which was fine we looked after it and but the original part of the house there were lead light windows at the front and while we were there because when we rented it it was actually the gardens were really overrun and so we did a lot of stuff to clean it up Mm -hmm. um, because it had such beautiful bones and I painted the letterbox because that was old and tired and all this sort of thing 
And then when we bought our own home, they said they weren't paying all the bond back because we had broken lead light windows in the front of the oh. house. I thought, wow, seriously, I didn't know that. And then the agent, I, did, I had no clue about the photos having even been taken. I'd not rented since I was in my teens. Yeah. And then the agent came back to me and said, oh, actually, I just checked the photos. Those cracks were there when you came. So oh, lucky. it's quite a nerve-wracking experience, isn't it? Yeah, um, definitely. As a tenant as well as a landlord. Yeah, and that's the importance of that entry and report. It's essentially your bond as a tenant. It's really important to complete that yeah. in the three days you have. Yeah. And so what level of wear and tear should you expect? Like, obviously, paintwork's going to get scuffed. Polished floor might get scratched because just through normal living. Yeah. What, what, is there a measuring stick? Is there something where where you can determine... And that's often what conciliation and tribunal is, you know, there to determine. So I guess scratches on floorboards within reason. So scuffs on flooring, but not scratch, like deep scratches or gouges. You can, if you can determine, okay, well, they've had a swivel chair on that floorboard and that's obviously worn that spot, then that's not wear and tear, that's damage. So it really just depends on what it actually is. And at a case by case basis, wear and tear is one of those things where we'll go through and do a vacate and 90 percent of the time you'll have a tenant who's saying that's wear and tear and a landlord who's saying it's not and we're in the middle is trying to determine okay is it or is it not and then if we can't determine that then it goes to the next stage which is mediation but I think you know you've got an owner who obviously wants to maintain the property in a condition where it was perfect initially and then you've got tenants who obviously have lived there and maybe they've damaged it maybe they haven't so it's that fine line Yeah. And I think for renovators in particular, you need to be responsible about the finishes that you use and if it's going to be rented, because I think that you have to expect that people are actually going to live in it. Things like laminated floors, if they're in a kitchen, they need to be, they need to resist moisture because you can't avoid water splashing in a kitchen you know, yes things for sure. like that yeah, yeah and yeah hard wearing options so yeah obviously you'd know but like the you know vinyl strips as opposed to carpet or tiles that might chip yeah. and things like that so yeah, yeah. Vinyl strips are fantastic because they move the fridge and scratch the floor you can just rip it up and put another one down yes yeah, I know so that's a great option for renters yes Okay. How do you monitor your property manager's performance? Like how do you know they're doing a good job? Yeah, I think it really comes back to the routine inspections. So during the tenancy, if you're being, obviously you want to be aware, made aware, each investor's different in terms of what communication they require and we've got some owners who say don't contact me unless it's over a thousand dollars a week or whatever but I'd say majority of owners want to know what's going on at their property they want to know if there's maintenance required one of the things we do is an annual maintenance plan so that owners can budget towards things and whether it's before end of financial year they might want to prepare to spend some money on it to make sure that investment is being well maintained yeah I do find we've got one particular property agent who I feel like I think I am reasonable about rentals and and what to expect, but I feel that our property agent is very Mm pro-tenant to the point where I think she's like sometimes she tries to get things through that I just don't think really fair or reasonable. So that's quite hard to juggle and I would change except she's it's a small town and she's the only okay um, yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah quite a challenge 
And I think that's the important thing. Property managers need to understand that they work for the owner. Obviously, we need to work within the legislation, but it's about educating the client to understand, okay, but at the end of the day, we work for the owner. So if a tenant's responsible for damage or repairs or they've caused something, then that ultimately is their obligation to pay for or repair. Absolutely. And I know sometimes it can be hard because the whole story behind what's going on for the tenant. Yeah. And I know some landlords are just not very nice people. So you've got to, I guess, juggle that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. How do you value the return on investment on improvements in a rental property? Is there any equation that you work on? Yeah, so typically things like air conditioning. So that tends to be between sort of $10 to $15 more a week. Dishwashers around that $10 a week mark. So it depends on what it is um, and the demographic that's likely to attract, be attracted to that property and what they're prepared to spend. If you've got a four-bedroom, two-bathroom or three-bathroom double car house within the inner city and the owners were to add a pool then you're looking at possibly a hundred dollars a week more in rental return so it really just depends on the suburb and what they're actually doing but yeah we can we can typically um, guide the owner on that sort of stuff and what about just general improvement if you were to just go through and spruce it up get new floor coverings light fittings paint and curtains would there be some sort of rule of thumb for that yeah so we had we had the exact same thing so we've done that on one of our own properties so we just tidied it up completely it was previously rented um, for 400 a week this is in Paddington in Brisbane City and then now it's renting for 550 it depends on the demand and there's not an exact rule of thumb but obviously if it's presenting and it's going to attract quality tenants and there's going to be more demand for that property especially in a tightly held market that's an, an incredible improvement yes yeah I was working with an investor who had an apartment, an old red bricker yep. in somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but it was somewhere on the North Shore and she spruced it up and I said to her, go and talk to the property agent because mm-hmm. they know your market, they know what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. A great big picture window in the living room Lovely. and he suggested to her that she put a plantation shutter on that and I thought, oh, that's a big spend, but you know what, he's the one that knows they got a tremendous price for it. Like they Mm. got, and I think it's because it was just how often in investment properties, they're just the bare bones. Yes. Everything's cheap. I can't stand vertical blinds. Yes, I know. They work well, but (laughs) by golly. And I think that was what it was. It was just these big picture windows. It was a big wow. Yes. Just like selling you know, a property, you've got to have the wow. Oh, for sure. Definitely. And it's worth spending that extra money in locations. If you've got something in a location like that, where it is close to proximity of the beach or river views or whatever it might be, even I find like laminate bench tops versus stone bench tops. I would always encourage a landlord to put a stone bench top in for the slight, like the little bit more uh, money, I suppose, because it's longer lasting. It looks really expensive. It looks, and it just lasts. It does. Oh, look, I so agree with you. In fact, because we just finished two projects for an investor and the second one, she in the process decided to sell and I asked her, so I was doing it with a student and the student said to me, the painter has quoted around 1400 to resurface the bench. And I said, I really think we should see if we can do Caesar stone because I'm just not in love with the whole resurfacing thing. No. Like it has its place. 
And so it was 1400 to resurface it and it was 1900 to do Caesar stone. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. It is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it just looks so much better. And, and you're right, it does last so much better. As long as you use a colour that's going to have longevity, like we yes. just did a plain white. Yeah. Um, no sparkles. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've gone out. But anyhow, yeah, yeah. so I, I would absolutely agree with you. So what would be the top three things that you would say add the most, well, I shouldn't say foolproof, but the most common improvements that you would make? Yeah. I was surprised that you said a pool. That's the last thing I'd think of, but I guess oh, in Queensland. Yeah, I think, and that pool is a very specific market. So if you've got an owner with an executive property yeah. to get to that next level. So yeah, definitely wouldn't normally recommend a pool. And none of my investment properties actually have a pool, but that's just yeah. one example. But I guess in terms of everyday stock, so I think air conditioning, especially in Queensland, um, fully fencing the yard. So if it's a house, definitely if you can fence the, the yard for children and pets, that will definitely increase the demand for the property. And also storage. So especially in apartments. So we've seen owners add a storage cage or add storage above the car space. And all of a sudden they're getting tenants quicker than other units in that same building or and they're perhaps paying slightly more too. So mm. I think um, they're the main things we see. Obviously making sure that your property is always presenting well, which means you may need to repaint it or replace the silicon or replace the curtains every now and then. So I think when you're going in, scanning around and looking, is this going to attract attract a quality tenant. Yeah, that's good information. So yeah, pet friendly. I am so on board with making investment properties pet friendly. I think that is uh, absolutely essential. But of course, there is always the concern that some people don't manage their pets responsibly. So what tips have you got for making them pet friendly without creating big headaches? Yes, I'm a pet owner myself. So I think, yeah, if you can, if your property lends itself, so if it is a house and the demographic of tenants that it's likely to attract are families, then having a fenced yard and allowing a pet is definitely worthwhile considering. These days, tenants will often come, they have to fill in pet application forms. They'll often come with pet references. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is. It's great. And we've seen with body corporates allowing pets, they'll often ask for a reference from the vet and there might be restrictions about the pet's size and making sure that it's not a barker and those sorts of things. I guess there's pros and cons. And yeah, you're right. Not every pet owner is responsible. And there are risks associated with allowing pets in a property that they might cause damage. I think it's important to understand your landlord insurance policy because most landlord insurance policies will actually cover pet damage. And also in Queensland, any properties that are over 700 a week, you can ask for an additional bond. So if you have an executive property and a tenant comes along who does have pets and you're concerned about that, then you may ask for five weeks as opposed to four weeks in bond. But I definitely think it is worthwhile considering allowing a pet if the property lends itself to that. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who's a real estate agent in Brisbane and she has a big market for, it's more affordable accommodation, but for single young women Mm -hmm. who have a dog. 
because oh, apparently good. that's a common thing. Yes. And they find it really hard to get accommodation where they can take their dogs. So I don't think it's just a family thing. Oh, no. And I think we're seeing a lot of downsizers these days who may have come from a house. They're wanting to move into a unit. And a lot of complexes these days are allowing pets, but mm. you do have to make sure that they're going to be responsible. So obviously you don't want urine in lifts and things like that, which it makes it and barking and it makes it unbearable and you're going to have continued issues. So it's mm. definitely checking those references and making sure they're going to be suitable applicants is really important. And are there finishes that are better with pets? Have you had instances where pets have, there's been something that's been particularly prone to damage? Yeah. So things like carpets ideally if you didn't have carpets then that would be more pet friendly I think also like we've had you know a couple where they've had to replace the carpets in particular areas or scratching on fly screens those sorts of things if it's a cat or perhaps it's a dog or damage to the back of a door trying to get in so I think it is it is a risk that you run by allowing a pet but there's definitely we've got a lot of great pet owners who take their pets with them to work or they really pamper their little pooches it's a fur baby so yeah absolutely (laughs) actually and I think really like they may scratch a door or tear a a fly screen but it's repairable like even carpet is pretty cheap and easy to replace exactly particularly if it's covered by your landlord's insurance or their bond whatever oh definitely okay the next question I'm going to ask you which is one I know you might have been a bit surprised about what's the scariest story you've had as a property um, manager I guess in terms of the scariest story, I guess we have had, what have we had? We've had, I think after 20 years in the industry, you come across most things. We've had not, I haven't actually had drugs at a property, but I've had tenants who were dealing drugs at a property over the years. We've had mould issues. We've had death of a tenant. We've had ghosts at a rental property, which is a little bit quirky, yes. So you come across a lot of different scenarios where you just did not expect that. Had snakes. One of the things that probably the scariest thing was we had a property where snakes were coming up through the drains. Wow. So we had, and they, yeah, so they were coming up through the drains in and the toilet. Yeah, so the snake catcher had to come out and get rid of them. So that was probably the scariest. Wow. Yeah. I, I would want to move out. I would not yes. be happy to stay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so did you have to deal with that personally or? Yes, obviously the tenants were living in a rural property. When I say rural, it's not that, it's only like 15 Ks from the city. So it wasn't actually that rural, but it was in an area where like the blocks were probably half an acre as opposed to 400 square meters. But yeah, and there was a lot of bushland around there. Wow. So they were pretty relaxed about it really. (laughs) Well, you're obviously tougher than you look. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you've said that you've had problems, you have had experience with drug or some sort of drugs. What about the contamination issue? Like I've heard stories about how if there's been ice manufactured in a property that it's contaminated and is that the case that's right yeah you can't rent the property so it has to go through a decontamination process again a lot of landlord insurance are actually covering this so I personally have not had a situation like this 
in myself, but I'm aware of what happens. And yeah, you, there's a period of time where you can't actually rent that property. It then goes, obviously, you're relying back on to your landlord insurance policy to pay you for that loss of rent during the time where the property gets brought back up to scratch. The scenario that we had was that a tenant who'd moved into a property was dealing drugs. And then obviously they went through that process to evict them. But yeah, it's not a situation that any investor wants to have ever. No. And how would you know? Like, how do you know that there's been some drug that's contaminated the property? Yeah. So there's typically signs and you can also, there are companies out there that will do samples and testing of the properties as well. But when it comes to drugs at a property, yeah, it, it's often the neighbours that report that or different things. And the police are usually the first ones to come to an agency and say, look, this is what's happening at their investment property. Because normally the neighbours are the ones who you know are living right beside it. They see suspicious things and they're reporting that. We have had scenarios in the past. And I remember 12 years ago, we had a situation where the neighbours suspected a tenant was cooking drugs at a property. The police were watching, they raided the property and it was nothing. You've just got to, are you, yeah, it's a fine line. And I think they've got to take everything serious as well. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, this has definitely been an education. Are there any new or little known landlord responsibilities that we need to know about? Yeah, so there's a few things that owners should be aware of. So when it comes to risks of an investment property, and there's things that you should be auditing on a regular basis. So blind cords, making sure they're compliant as per the legislation. So blind cords actually need to have warning labels, hooks, so that they're secure, and obviously certain distance off the the floor. Smoke alarms, there's new legislation coming out in January 2022, where all rental properties need to have photoelectric interconnected smoke alarms. You also need to make sure your pool fencing is compliant legislation that the pool fence certificates actually expire. Things to be aware of is uneven pavers. So if a tenant trips at a rental property, you could be, you could, you know, be sued by the tenant for negligence or damages. It's also really important to understand that if a if a, a property is broken into, so if there a window or locks are broken by a, a, a break-in at a property, it's the landlord who's actually responsible to make sure that property is secure okay. straight away. So we actually had one on Boxing Day this year, straight after Christmas. Tenants had been away, very sought after area in Brisbane, affluent suburb, and there was a break in there. Straight away, we were on the phones getting the locks changed. Also, the, the glass repairers out there to replace any um, glass. And that's actually the owner's responsibility as opposed to the tenants. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's really useful information. Thank um, you. Lauren, now we're getting to the pointy end of the conversation. <laughs> so how do we market our rental property, keep our vacancy rates low? Yeah. And who do we need to help us with our property? So I've yeah. given you three questions all in one. Okay, I'll try and merge those. So in terms of vacancy rates and marketing, I think it's really important to make sure that you're on the front foot. So advertising the properties six weeks prior to the tenants vacating, making sure you're using professional photography, 2D, 3D floor plans. You've got a database of tenants looking for similar properties and they're notified as soon as something new comes available. You're showing the property multiple times a week and tenants are able to view at times that suit them. So that process is really important. Also advertising on all the major portals. So realestate.com, domain, the others out there. In terms of who needs to be on your your um, property investment team. So I think there's a co- couple of key people. So a buyer's agent is possibly one to consider and it's something new that's coming out. Mortgage brokers. So I think it's really important to know how much you can borrow 
to be out before you start investing and, and obviously have that loans reviewed every sort of 18 to two, 18 months to two years, making sure you're getting the best deal. Obviously a financial planner if needed as well, that's always good. A great accountant to make sure you get your structure right. Um, a really good builder, handyman, maintenance team. So that's really important to have those key people around you to make sure the property is really well maintained. And obviously a property manager as well is really important so that you understand the legislation behind renting it and you're trying to you essentially you're wanting to make sure you're mitigating any risks by having that property manager assist you in that process yeah and just one more question what about styling the property for rental yeah so we find I personally have done things like add a a pot plant or like a plant at the front door or we might have put a couple of things into the property to make it look I think really the key is to make sure that the minute they're walking through the door they can imagine themselves living there and they really want to want that so you need to to, ideally it would be nice to style them but most investors don't want to spend the you know a couple thousand dollars to style it so if you've sold it and maybe you've got styling at the property that's great another alternative is to add virtual furniture into your marketing so that people can see how that might look but yeah I think it's really just a balance of being mindful of how much you're spending when you're marketing it too Actually, the our last reno we sold just before Christmas, the lady that bought it rented it out, which yep. amazed me. But anyhow, <laughs> it was still styled from when we had sold it. So the vacancy rate in Sydney has around our area has been quite high since COVID. And I was really interested to see how they went, but they actually had people clamoring for it and they ended up renting it out for $50 a week more. Oh, amazing. And I think that's mainly attributed to the fact that it was newly renovated but they pitched the price quite high mm. but also the fact that it was actually styled so it looked very desirable yeah. yes yeah. Uh, I think any day of the week if the property is styled lovely it'll attract quality tenants and we often find when owners have lived at the property themselves and perhaps they've bought furniture for the space that fits perfectly and it just looks amazing then that's when you're going to attract tenants Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Now, I want to thank you for your time, Lauren. This has been a really informative, valuable session, and I know that our um, listeners will devour it. Oh, good. Thank you. So if you can let let us know how we can contact you, that would be great. And then also about the resources that you're planning to share with the listeners. Yeah, great. Obviously, we've got a website, which is rentalresults.com.au. So anyone at any stage, you're welcome to contact me. I'd love to chat. Anything property investing or renovating or whatever it might be. And then I guess also in terms of the link, we can I can email that through to you if you want to share that at the bottom of the podcast. I'll that send you a detachment. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Thank you so much, Benedette. Lauren, the other thing is, are you specifically Brisbane? Just Brisbane, yes. Yeah, yeah. probably should have put that up the front, but yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Listen, take care. Thank and you. I will look forward to meeting you in the flesh. Yes, sounds okay. great. Thanks, Benedette. See you later, Bye. Lauren. Bye. Okay, so that's it for today. Now, if you haven't already done so, please come over to iTunes and leave us a review. Give us any suggestions that you would like for future episodes and we will be so grateful. We read them all and we are so appreciative of you making the effort. So thank you. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.